Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle, and today we are going to be talking about Harry and Meghan, Meghan and Harry, because, of course, the second volume of the record-breaking Netflix series came out this morning. I wonder what would have happened to us had we not got out when we did. Our security was being pulled. Everyone in the world knew where we were. I said, we need to get out of here. It's like a sort of a a Shakespearean drama for 2022, isn't it? I mean, it has absolutely everything. To see this institutional gaslighting... I wasn't being thrown to the wolves. I was being fed to the wolves. And I think, you know, if you if you have a, a, a brain in your head, if you have eyes in your head, you're going to be fascinated by it because it is it's this it's all these universal themes of sort of sibling rivalry and love and um, and, and loss and redemption and freedom and all of that kind of thing. That was Jennifer O'Connell there. But before we get on to our episode, we were pleased to see that Iran has been kicked out of the United Nations Women's Agency on Wednesday in a US-led vote that came months into Tehran's brutal crackdown on uprisings driven by women and young people who are demanding an end to the Islamic Republic's rule. The resolution, backed by 29 members of the UN Economic and Social Council, was the strongest symbolic gesture taken so far by the United Nations in response to Iran's efforts to quell unrest that began after the death in September of Masa Amini, who was uh, being held by the morality police. Iran's record of discrimination and violence against women were cited as reasons. This was a resolution that was backed by the US, as I said, and co-sponsored by more than a dozen allied countries. And it immediately removes Iran for the remainder of its four-year term from the Commission on the Status of Women. And that body aims to protect and promote women's rights around the world. So I'm really delighted that Iran has been kicked out of that because they are doing nothing to either protect or promote women's rights around the world. Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the US ambassador to the United Nations, said in an interview that the action sent a twofold message. First is to the government of Iran that we will hold them accountable. And I think more important is the message it sends to Iranian women. I think it sends a strong message. We are here for you. We've got your back. We're going to stand with you. The resolution passed 29 to 8 with 16 abstentions, marking the first time a member state had been removed from the UN women's body Russia, China and some of Iran's other political and economic allies voted against the resolution, according to the New York Times, condemning it as a politically inspired interference in the domestic affairs of a sovereign nation. Well, I say well done to those people who kicked Iran out and I hope to see more international interventions in the future because they have certainly cracked down even further if that was possible. And the Islamic Republic is doing unbelievable damage to women and girls and to the men in that country too. Now to today's episode. Netflix says the first three episodes of Harry and Meghan 
recorded 81.5 million viewing hours around the world after its debut last Thursday. And that was the highest viewing hours of any documentary title in a premiere week. It made the platform's top 10 in 85 countries. Now, it has had mixed results. If you look at some headlines, Forbes say Netflix's Harry and Meghan is going disastrously for Harry and Meghan. The Guardian said Harry and Meghan are right about racist Britain in their Netflix series. And the Daily Mail, palace anger at assault on Queen's legacy. And today, three more episodes have come online and they contain some interesting aspects, particularly about William and Harry's relationship. In the episodes, Harry talks about being screamed and shouted at by his brother and his father at a meeting in Sandringham. Uh, One headline describes the final three episodes of the series as Harry's all out war on William and Charles Uh, Thanks to a series of revelations and accusations the couple make about Harry's brother, father and their staff. There's a woman in it who is a friend of the couple called Lucy Fraser. And she suggests that the couple's first royal tour to Australia shortly after their wedding was where things started to go wrong after the royal family saw how popular Harry and Meghan were. The internals at the palace were incredibly threatened by that, Fraser says. And Harry adds, the issue is when someone who is marrying in, who should be a supporting act, is then stealing the limelight or doing the job better than the person who was born to do this. That upsets people. It shifts the balance. And it really was a case of history repeating itself. And there's so many echoes of Diana's experience. And whether you hate or love the royal family or indeed are deeply indifferent towards them, This documentary is fascinating and it does shine a light on a cultural institution which holds a lot of interest for many people. And it's also sort of Shakespearean in its themes of family, loyalty, love, betrayal and all the rest. So to dissect the latest twists and turns, our Royal Watchers, Irish Times journalist Jennifer O'Connell and Serena Bellissimo, who's a broadcaster and host of the Bellissimo Files podcast, came on to talk to us about what is the most successful documentary ever to stream on Netflix. And I began by asking Serena to bring us up to date with those three new episodes that just began streaming at 8am this morning. I think the last three episodes, I know I, I love the way they've done this. Like every episode seems to have its own theme. And, you know, the first three episodes, for anyone who hasn't caught up, was all about Meghan and Harry as individuals, right, and then coming together as that team. Four, five and six is that team and how that team rocked the instant. It's really funny. They used to call it the firm. They are now called, I think their use of language is really important because they call it the institution and they keep calling it the institution. So episode four, I was really surprised and not actually not surprised because we're basically seeing history repeating itself. And it was episode four was that constant comparison with what they did. And I love the way he did it. He always said what they did to my mother, right? So it was how the press harassed, harangued Princess Diana. So that was all um, episode four. Episode five was about the big bombshell where they said they wanted to leave the royal family and how that was treated. And then episode six is the freedom flight. And that's what they say at the start. You hear Harry going, we are on the freedom flight. And that's them getting out of the UK into Canada. And it wasn't as smooth as we were all led to believe it was. Maybe that's because they were trying to flee from the media. They brought their own documentary crew with them and they recorded themselves at the moment. I mean, there's a fundamental irony at the heart of these entire six episodes, which is that this is all about how every minute of Harry's life has been spent in front of the lens 
And, you know, and a lot of his resentment of the royal family is around that, how he was forced to perform even as a very small child for the cameras. And he was born into this kind of non-consensual relationship with the media. Uh, and he was he describes himself at one point as a child in, you know, a bubble within a bubble um, and who was you know subjected to the harassment of being constantly monitored. And yet here he is almost four decades on, finally free or so we're led to believe, having made this very uh, costly in emotional sense and in financial sense as well, bid for freedom. And yet he's still sort of imprisoned by the media, a, a voluntary hostage this time with cameras recording his every single thought. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to declare myself very team Meghan and Harry. This is after watching five episodes. And on that, I'm going to say what I think Harry would say back to you, uh, Jennifer, is that <laughs> at one point in, in these new episodes, he says for him, or maybe it was in the previous ones, as Serena said to me earlier, they all blend into one big mishmash. It's hard to keep track. But Harry does say at one point that for him, when it comes to his own children, and I assume he means for himself as well, it's all about consent. So if if Harry wants to surround himself with cameras and Netflix documentary makers and all of that kind of thing on a consensual basis, that's very different to being born into something that you've no say about. It's kind of like a religion thing, isn't it? Because a lot of people are born into religions that they don't choose. And they're told if you're in in, in um, Afghanistan or Iran, you must wear a hijab or whatever. Or in Ireland, you're told you must go to mass or whatever. It, that's kind of like on a big, big scale, being born into the royal family is to have to be forced to do a lot of things that you might not voluntarily choose yourself. So I'm just going to imagine that's what Harry would say to you about about the bubble um, that he's in now of his own making. And what I would say back to Harry, uh, your highness, is that, um, you know, I mean, they're they're talking about like, for example, one of the most explosive claims that's made in, in one of the episodes, I think it might be the final episode is when they talk about Meghan's miscarriage and, and Harry puts that squarely on the media. And he says, you know, I believe my wife suffered a miscarriage because of what the male did. I watched the whole thing. Now, do we absolutely know that the miscarriage was caused by that? Of course we don't. But I would say, and then he goes on to say, bearing in mind the stress that caused, the lack of sleep, the timing of the pregnancy, I can say from what I saw, that miscarriage was created by what they were trying to do to her. Now, I would say to him, that is an extraordinary claim to make. I mean, Megan herself has acknowledged that somewhere between one in five and one in 10 women will have a miscarriage. But there's no small irony in the fact that these very, you know, these very protests that that they're making now about the media are in turn feeding the media machine. And I think the Mail Online homepage currently has 16 stories about the documentary leading the site, including like video clips and and GIFs and lots of clips of of the children headlines like um, Archie's baby diaries and unseen pictures. And Meghan and Harry's Netflix show reveals their son's early days. So, you know, there's just a massive thread of a lack of self-awareness running through this. And I think I would find the whole thing a lot more credible if I wasn't watching it in a Netflix documentary that they've signed up to make. But do you think, because I think the only way they sort of take, and I am like Roisin, I have to put my hand up and say, I'm not that there are teams, but yeah, I'm team Megan and Harry. And yes, you know, a lot of people always tease me about being a loyal subject. And I hate that because I am a staunch Republican as well, right? So I was an Australian, I'm a staunch Republican. But I think how, like, what other way are they able to respond to the way the media is treating them and the stories that they are putting out than do it? in a form of media and takes, and I know it is quite ironic because they're saying we want privacy, but then they're doing this. What I am hoping is that they've had six episodes and 
you know, they have done these episodes really well. I'm hoping that they've had, and that doesn't mean that there's no corniness in this and some cringeworthy moments. Yes, there are those moments, but I'm hoping that what they've done now is they've had their six episodes to tell their story because they had the Oprah interview to tell their story, right? But that, obviously, there was more to come out of that. But they've had their six six episodes. Please now go on and do what you want to do with your life. Please stop going back and rehashing the past. But then in saying that, doesn't he have his book spare coming out soon? So it's just, he does, I yeah. get where people are coming from, but I also get where they're coming from. Yeah. And I suppose, I mean, if I'm a team in this, I'm probably team hypocrisy because I'm complaining <laughs> about them exploiting the media themselves and then complaining about being exploited by the media while feeding the media bees. Meanwhile, I'm watching every minute of the documentary and absolutely loving it. And it's not that I have anything personally against them. I mean, I started out being quite pro um, Megan and Harry, but there is a, a sort of a thread of unreality and entitlement and a lack of self-awareness running through all of this that I find kind of irritating. And I think they're really naive if they think that they can play the media game and also not play the media game at the same time. You can absolutely, you know, you, you can you look at some of his own cousins like Zara Tindall. She has a very public professional profile, but she has an absolutely incredibly private life. I mean, we know very little about her apart from what she wants to to reveal. And and the same, I think, with Eugenie and Beatrice. They're all they all have their working royals. They have their title. They are in the public eye now. Arguably, nowhere near the level of interest that there is in or was in in Harry and Meghan. But I, I you know, I think that that it is possible. It would have been possible for them to fade away quietly from the public limelight when they left the United Kingdom. Um, but they've chosen not to do that. So that's, I think, where my patience with them runs out. But I, I do want to, I really do want to hear what you both think about that claim that the Mail Online was responsible for Meghan's miscarriage. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where I kind of, they lose me a bit on that because I, I think I agree with you, Jennifer. I don't think we can ever know what leads to people having miscarriages. We should say as well what that male thing is, that the, this letter was leaked. This letter that she she sent to her agent's office in L.A. So she didn't send it to the post to her father because she didn't want it to be intercepted. So she sent it to the agent. Um, it was delivered to her father as far as she knew, but then it was leaked to the mail. And that's what the stress uh, that Harry's alluding to, he says, that caused the miscarriage. I don't know. I think the problem is they come out with things like that and then people lose a bit of patience with them. What I'm trying to get at is I found that fascinating how how little it's changed from the Diana time when she talked about the firm, you know, and we know how the things were manipulated, how the press were almost in partnership with the royal family. And that hasn't changed at all. They haven't learned from any of that stuff. So where I do have a lot of sympathy for them is that maybe Harry, and he was naive, and she was certainly naive to think she could walk into that family and maybe somehow change it. I think she has that had that impression of herself. She's done things before, like when she was a young girl, she wrote to an ad company for a sexist ad they had on the telly and she got that taken off air. You know, she's used to getting things done. But um, it is the history repeating itself thing. When we see how Harry and William fell out and it really does seem at the heart of it a bit of that jealousy thing that Charles felt about Diana. You know, Meghan was on all the front pages. Meghan was getting all the limelight. She wasn't particularly trying to and she does talk about how even the way she dressed, she was trying to fade into the background and they didn't like that and William as the kind of next king after his dad feels like he should be the one getting most of the attention and that seems to be at the heart of it. 
you know, I can see why Harry and Meghan got to the point where they were just like, we want out of it. It's never going to end, is what she says at one point. I totally understand that. But I also understand that they are public people and their their whole lives so far has been public. They're going to create that in a different way in their own future. Like maybe they don't want to fade into the background. Maybe they want to be, uh, you know, rock stars in a different way. And I think they're entitled to be that if they want on their own terms. But I suppose, um, yeah, I just got the, I could really understand more than I did from before watching the documentary, why they had to get out of it and why they left. And because I think before I kind of thought it was a bit, there being a bit drama, king and queenish. Um, and now I don't think so. Now I just see how it became so intolerable that the only choice they had was to get on that freedom flight. I think for me as well, it was bigger than just them. Again, I'm flying my Republican flag, right? I'm, I'm saying that first. But um I always never understood the position of the royal family and why they are the heads of state of all these countries, mine included. And, you know, seeing this and seeing all this stuff play out, I I think what the royal family really afraid of is that Harry and Meghan are humanising them. You are not supposed to humanise and make this royal family mere mortals. And that is what they are. So then, like, you know, any time they do these tours of these countries, I sit there and I go... I don't understand why it's up to you to come in and tell us the way things should be and, you know, why there's crowds. Like you see Megan's face (laughs) on her wedding day. You can see the shock. You can see the amusement. You can also see the fun, right? If you're a part of that, you can't get, you can't help but get caught up in it. But it makes no sense as to why, was it 150,000 people lined the streets to see them get married? It's just... It's really weird. And then that whole history repeating itself, like you mentioned that they were more popular. And I just feel like, and I know I'm like grasping at straws here, but, you know, Diana, the problem set in with Princess Diana when she had her tour to Australia and she became very popular in Australia. Meghan and Harry went over to Australia. That's where the, the popularity came in. Then they made their announcement of their second child on the 14th of of February. Now, look, I know you can pick similarities in everything if you look hard enough, but it just, it almost feels like history is repeating itself. We're showing you, royal family, that it is repeating itself. If you do want to stick around, maybe try doing stuff differently. And like Megan, the problem, they, they demonized Megan for coming in, coming in and just asking why. Like, why are we doing this? And, you know, he talked about his unconscious bias, um, that he, never knew he had until Megan came into his life. And sometimes, like, that's happened to me, an Australian coming into Ireland. You know, our cultures are very similar, but there are still some times where I make some gaps or ask some questions that have never been thought about and vice versa with my husband and me. And I think that's what's happening here as well. And because you just did it because it existed, so you keep doing it. But sometimes you don't have to. And sometimes you have to change. Yeah. And I think Megan's ability to ask that question and to make Harry ask that question is the secret to really why that she's so hated. I mean, sure, there is definitely racism. There's definitely misogyny at place. I think there's a lot of kind of old fashioned snobbery in how the UK tabloid media looks at her. She's this American divorcee. You know, how dare she? She's not um, she's not one of us. She's not one of our aristocracy. But I think actually where she poses a real a real threat to the royal family, to the institution and and to even to, to notions of what it is to be British and British identity and um, and all of that is that you can see that she doesn't kind of get it. She doesn't really understand what the monarchy is, is for. And she's and she's right. I mean, you look at this sort of random group of 
fairly despicable, some of them individuals, some of them seem quite likable, but, you know, some of them are really quite despicable, who've been, we're supposed to believe they've been selected by destiny or or by by blood or by God himself as superior to all other mortals. Um, and, and they're put into this system, which is absolutely constant and untouchable and totally immutable, but also completely fragile, you know, so that you can't disrespect the monarch in any way. Because if you do that, if the king, as I wrote in a column recently, you know, it's such a fragile system that the king can li- literally cannot put his own toothpaste on his toothbrush or the whole system might fall apart. So you're supposed to kind of buy into this idea that this is this absolutely, yeah, you know, tr- solid rock on which the whole British identity is built. But at the same time, it's completely fragile and everybody must respect it and bow to the monarch or the whole thing will fall apart. And you would imagine that in a modern society, such as what we live in, which is, you know, quite cynical, very digitally aware, very educated, that it would be completely something so um, archaic as a monarchy should be completely unsustainable and outdated. And everybody should look at it and go, oh, this is a nonsense. You know, if we want to watch the Kardashians, we can watch the Kardashians. We really don't need to be paying tax dollars or tax pounds uh, to a royal family in order to get some kind of you know, free, expensive circus. So I think... And for me, one of my favourite moments in in the beginning of the documentary is one of the earlier episodes was when you can almost see the penny dropping with Harry right there on screen. She's sort of taking the piss a little bit about how she had to courtesy in front of the Queen. And he looks really, really uncomfortable. She's sort of mimicking the curtsy that she did. And he's watching her and there's an expression on his face that's quite hard to read. But he definitely looks a bit uncomfortable. And then afterwards, the camera goes to him and he's sitting on his own. And he's saying, yeah, you know, how do you explain to people that you you bow to your grandmother and you will need to curtsy and especially to an American. And he goes like, that's weird. And it really is weird. And I think mm. that's why they get the, the 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 traditionalists in the media's backs up. I think that's really astute, actually. And um, that's what I think uh, Harry meeting Meghan. Um, and, and she says at one point, Harry wouldn't have fallen in love with me if he wasn't on his own path. And I think that's very wise. She says some very clever things and it's right. He he wouldn't have been interested in yeah. a woman like Megan were he not questioning things himself already, which he clearly was. And she wasn't the instigator of that. Yeah. She was merely a conduit for these questions he was having himself. Another part, I think, there's some really good commentators that has to be said as well. Apart from Harry and Megan in this documentary, there's the friends that come in. There's the mother of Megan. There's also just some I social... I love Megan's mother. Yeah, Doria she's wonderful. Is secret weapon she's fabulous yeah she's she's an incredible person um but there's another commentator i don't know his name he's a person of color he talks about the massive missed opportunity that the royal family missed by not embracing megan in a full way and i think he says there's two and a half billion people in the um commonwealth mainly black and brown people in that thing to have a woman of mixed race in the royal family was like was such a way to bring them into another era, to make them more modern and to to do all of that modernization. And they absolutely blew it. And it's like you could say racism or you could just say absolute myopic kind of stupidity, not realizing that this was a time to really protect that woman, to come to her defense. And instead, as Megan says, they fed her to the wolves, which which they did. And um, I find that really intriguing as to That's why they really, couldn't see yeah. a very clever organization, institution who, who makes so many decisions every day in, in order for self-preservation, but couldn't see that this is perhaps the ultimate thing they could do to preserve themselves in the future. But I was just going to say that, you know, the institution the, of the royal family and the media, which in the UK are so closely intertwined that they're almost one firm, 
they had such a long and embedded history of treating the women in the royal family yeah. absolutely appallingly. And where I, you know, come down really firmly on the side of Meghan is that she she stood up for herself and they weren't expecting that. You know, so if you look back, if you remember uh, Kate Middleton or, or Catherine as she now is, Princess of Wales, she can do no wrong now. But what, there was a time when she was weighty Katie Middleton. Uh, before her, there was Sarah Ferguson. And we, we all remember when she, now I kind of admired her because she just, she seemed to decide like, well, if they're going to revile me, no matter what I do, I may as well have some fun. And she definitely did. Do you remember the toe sucking incident with her financial advisor? Never forget um, that. Yeah. And then there was Camilla herself. She's absolutely been reborn now as this very elegant and down to earth queen consort who everybody loves. But she was once absolutely loathed by the media and, and by the public and treated appallingly by the institution. I remember coming across a quote about her at one stage that I repeated in a column. Uh, I thought it was so good. It was Sean O'Grady in The Independent. And he said there was a time when she was a gin soaked, hatchet faced, horse faced, loose but frumpy woman with the Rothmans fag never far from her grasp. And that was kind of the image of her that we were given in the media. And then, of course, Diana. I mean, what more needs to be said about how Diana was treated? So Megan came into that and they did what they did to all those women before, which was to try and break them, to remould them in the image that the royal family wanted. And it didn't work for Diana, came to a really tragic end. And it didn't work for Meghan because Harry was not going to sit by and, and let it happen again. So I suppose by the end of our conversation, I have come around and I'll admit now I'm, I'm, I'm more team Harry <laughs> and Meghan than I was at the outset. <laughs> Can we pick up on that for a sec? Because I've been talking to some mates back home and what they've been saying is that they're now using everything that you said is so right, Jennifer, but they're using that as a weapon against Meghan. Because they're saying if the others, you know, it's not just Megan. And if you look at the reporting, and I loved when they were putting up those those um, articles side by side, they were saying, you know, um, Kate and Megan were doing the exact same thing. And yet one was being glorified and the other was being demonised. You don't need to know. You can figure out a, who was being demonised. There was one of them demonized. was an avocado and, thing, oh, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. And like... Kate, like, what a miracle that she got that. And Megan was ruining the world because yeah. she was eating the avocados. And but- there was the stroking the baby bump. Do you remember oh, that one? It was like, yeah. you know, Kate cradles her baby bump lovingly. And there lovingly. was the off-the-shoulder dress. Kate looks yes. amazing in her off-the-shoulder dress and Megan is breaking royal protocol with her <laughs> off-the-shoulder yeah. dress. It's, it's actually see, uncanny. But see, that's how they're using this as a weapon against Megan going, well, the others had to do it. Why couldn't she put up with it? Because do you know what? None of them should have had to have put up with it. We need to be questioning the institution, the tabloids. Like, they should all be made to, you know, um, take responsibility for those headlines. This isn't a game. At the end of the day, yes, they are very privileged, very entitled. But at the end of the day, this isn't soap characters. And they said that. Like, um, Harry turned around at one stage and went, I felt like I was in a soap you know, mm. with cameras in my face all the time. And mm. it is not a soap. And, yes, you know, people will go back to what we were saying at the beginning, why are they choosing the media? Why are they still in there? Because they have to get their story across somehow, right? And and it's time for change. And yeah. I think hopefully we can get some change. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There was one very affecting one in the in the again, probably the fifth episode, I think, where Megan breaks down crying. She's talking about the security um, information for her new house, even in L.A., where they're basically security guards are saying, if you see a, t- a tweet like this, you know, I, Megan must die. Maybe I'll be the one to kill her today. And it brought it home to her that this is the kind of stuff that's that's out there. She starts to cry, but she basically makes that point that you just made very well, which is like, it's a game, this outrage and this criticism. It's all this big toxic game. But actually at the at the heart of it is a real person, a mother of two in a house looking down her hallway, wondering, like, is somebody going to break in and actually kill me? And I think I feel like um, even for those messages that come across, I mean, I know none of us can really relate to Harry and Meghan in terms of most <laughs> of their things, but there is at the heart of what they're saying a message about this outrage culture and this toxic culture that we all exist in and we all um, are affected in in various ways um, and how dangerous it is and how we need to, I mean, I don't know what we can do about it because maybe it's gone too far, but we can't just accept it. And they're saying, no, we're not accepting it. And I think the documentary is partly telling that story too, Mm. you know, about the culture we're in and why it's so dangerous and why we have to do something about it. What about those headlines that we saw, you know, uh, because the tabloids, all the all the press in in the UK feel they own Harry and Meghan and the royals. And there was a headline because, you know, when she chose not, I always thought it was horrific that royal mums are expected to come out hours after giving birth yeah. to parade their child. And, and she, it was interesting because the story we were sold was she chose not to do that. She didn't. She tried. She even, and I think that's what broke my heart the most because, you know, she tried and that's what she said. I tried, but it wasn't enough. They tried to stage it at a hospital and it was like, no, you can't do it for this reason. Yeah. And one of the headlines was, we pay, you pose. Yeah. And I was wow. like, whoa. When she's just had a baby. It actually made me think about how much I had bought into a lot of those headlines myself and created a picture of Megan and her drama queenie kind of selfish ways that had kind of sunk in to me more than I'd even thought. And it was only mm. sort of seeing behind the scenes how these stories played out that I had to almost re-question the narrative. I, as a kind of, I would say, you know, sane and not too judgmental person, had I had by osmosis acquired some ideas about Megan that I feel now were very unfair and were purely fed by I wasn't be following tabloid culture that much, but headlines I'd seen on the internet or whatever else, and I, they built up a picture of her that this documentary has challenged. I'm not saying we'd ever be busy mates or that like I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm Megan's type of person necessarily, but um, but you know what I mean? I did sort of have more of an understanding of her. And if that's what they're trying to do with this documentary, I think it succeeded, I suppose. Yeah, that's, that's just a really interesting point. For me, that kind of brings up my favourite uh, quote of 2022, which I come back to again and again. Two things can be true at once, you know, and I do think there's a bit of a drama queen in her and I do think she's entitled and I think she's lacking in self-awareness and I think she's incredibly naive if she thinks that she can both play the media and control the media narrative. You you can't do it. You cannot do it. And it's not possible. The only way to control the media narrative is to withdraw from the media narrative entirely. 
But on the other hand, I think she has been treated absolutely appallingly. She's become a cipher and a kind of an emblem for this horrible culture war that has been dividing Britain since Brexit. She has come to represent totally, you know, I, I think unintentionally on her part, she's come to represent kind of progress and so-called wokeism and modernity and um, multiculturalism and a disdain for tra- for tradition and an interest in social justice and all of those things that the kind of Brexiteer type people love to hate. So, you know, and you can see why, like the New York Times wrote a, a great piece a couple of years ago and they 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 predicted that Megxit was Megxit, as they called it then, was going to be the new Brexit. And it was playing out in a Britain that was split by age and politics. Um, and, and, and I think she has become that and that it must be really hard to be a living cipher for an entire movement and a movement which is absolutely hated by a, a significant proportion of the population in Britain. But having said all that, I'll go back to where I started, which is that you know, there was a way to withdraw and there was a way for them to have freedom. And, and this is not the way. OK, um, I just mentioned some of the commentators and another woman whose name I don't know made an interesting point. I wonder what you both think of it. She talked about um, symbolic annihilation, which is not a phrase I've come across before, but she was talking about uh, the press and the institution bringing Meghan and Harry down because of the fact that they stand for something, that they're social justice warriors in a way that they... Um, and, and that the institution and the media want to destroy people like that as a lesson to other people who stand up for what's right. Do you feel like that's going too far or, or is there something in that, this symbolic annihilation of them? I completely agree with that because you're supposed to know your place. You're supposed to be quiet. We have this, you know, this is a narrative we want to be telling. If we want to keep our... And do you know what? At the end of the day, this is going to be very harsh. They're not doing... And I'm not talking about Meghan and Harry, I'm talking about the institution. They're not doing what they're doing because they care about their people. They're doing what they're doing because they want to keep their status in this society. And if you have people coming in and rocking the boat, as innocent as it may be, then you need to find a way to shut them down. And I have to say the one thing that I think this documentary did well as well is that, you know, we're talking about Meghan a lot, but you saw that she's not this puppet master that everyone made her out to be. Harry has his own brain and his own thoughts as well. Do you think if he really didn't want to leave, he would have just left because Meghan said, let's leave? No, it would have ended up one way. They would have gone their their own separate ways. I was wondering as as well what you both thought of. You probably haven't seen it, Jen, if you haven't seen the last, the new episodes, but there's one really... (laughs) I shouldn't laugh because it was just a bit, it was unexpected. Did you see that, Serena, that guided meditation that they were listening to? And there was this very specific guided meditation that was obviously designed for them because it was saying things like, you are not what the press tell you you are. Um, Your work is not to prove your goodness. And they were both sitting there in meditation pose with their eyes closed. And then when it was finished, like they opened and... Um, Megan just like cried a bit and had this big sigh. It was really kind of, it gave an insight into the kind of counselling they've been getting to deal with all of this stuff. Well, I was a bit shocked by it myself. Yeah, I was a bit thrown when that came in and I was just like, I am actually really thrilled that you're doing all of this stuff. But that is just going, that's where I say there's some schmaltziness and some cringe moments where you're just like, no need. Like that stuff, there is no need to be putting into the docuseries. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Can I ask you both something? Um, because I'm really curious to know. Because William didn't come out of it better or worse after the bits that I've seen. William was 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 sort of no, he comes out protected. Bad out of this. So yeah, how does he good. come out? How does it, how did William and Kate come out of the last? Yeah, three he episodes? doesn't come out. Well, there's one moment where they where Harry is summoned to Sandringham. They get her out of the way. She goes to Canada. Harry's summoned up to Sandringham, which he says he has so many lovely memories of for Christmases. But this was a very different meeting. He's literally sitting around a table with William. Charles, the Queen and all the advisory people. And he says at one point that William... We don't uh, see my that, brother do and we? My, No, we don't. We just him talking about it. Okay. He's describing that. Yeah, no, they didn't have a fly on the wall camera. I was really <laughs> curious about good. that. <laughs> uh, Harry just says, um, my brother and my father were screaming and shouting at me. And so that's one bit. But there's also very clearly um, how William and Harry's off- offices separate. The press... They were together and they'd made this deal that they would stay together and they wouldn't let what happened to Charles and Diana's sort of different um, press offices happen to them. But but there was a Christmas party that was supposed to be a joint Christmas party for the both kind of offices. And suddenly it was two Christmas parties. And that was the moment when you can clearly see that um, William's office is briefing against, starts to brief against um uh, Megan and so yeah I mean it's it's not really explicit I don't know Serena did I miss it or but it's very clear that you know, his brother decided I'm going to have to do something about you and started on the offensive but he said that do you remember there was a line in there or maybe this was in episode six I, I don't know but there was a line where he said um and I get it because my brother did have to start acting differently because this is the institution and I'm paraphrasing here, but like this is the institution that he is going to secede. Is that the right word? Yeah. But then there was another bit as well where um, something had broken. Maybe it was was it when they'd won the court case and he'd literally gone up to um, Megan while she was talking to camera and just done that, like put the phone in her face. And she went, oh, and he goes, it's from my brother. It's, and I think that's where it hits home more because they're not using William and, like, they're using mother and granny and father. So you're you're starting to feel more of a connection. So it's a message from my brother. And, like, I was very happy that they didn't go into that anymore because that is a private matter that they should be dealing with privately. But, yeah, I don't think I, – I was really sad because, and I don't know why I care because it's not <laughs> my family. But I was really sad that these two brothers who had gone through such a traumatic experience at such a young age and who probably are the only two that understand what they have lived through, that this, that the firm, that the institution has divided them. That yeah. is really sad. Yeah, and that they're falling foul of the same thing that their mother fell foul of, you know, and that their relationship is being fractured by it. And they're and they're victims of this as much as yeah. anybody. It is kind of sad. I mean, yes, we don't know them and really is it sad, but I, I, it is. <laughs> I know, brothers but it, falling it's, out like a, that. It's like a sort of a, a Shakespearean drama for 2022, isn't it? I mean, it has yeah. absolutely everything. And I think, you know, if you... If you have a, a, a brain in your head, if you have eyes in your head, you're going to be fascinated by it because it is it's this it's all these universal themes of sort of sibling rivalry and love and um, and, and loss and redemption and freedom and all of that kind of thing. I think it look, I'm I can't wait to. In fact, as soon as I um, get off this uh, call, I, I'll be rushing to file a column on some other topic and then I'll be yeah. like down to the real business of the day, which is binge watching. And I've even got my little eight year old uh, hooked on it as well. She's like. 
100% team Megan to the extent that she was questioning why I was even writing a column about it recently because she was like well she doesn't want her privacy invaded anymore so I think you shouldn't oh be writing God, about it and I, I was like well that. she doesn't want her privacy invaded but we've just watched three hours of her yeah. on Netflix well studio, I'm so. going to be watching the last episode that I missed as well I have to say I, I found it on a very superficial level it is quite entertaining and if you can kind of have a remove and just it's almost like a fictional thing and as you said it has so many universal themes and it gets you thinking about family and about other stuff that we all deal with even though it isn't very relatable really let's be honest Serena final word to you being our proper royal watcher here Um, oh please no I'm not a royalist that's my final word no do you know what my final word is I think I was thinking about what I took from this and I it's a love story and I'm really happy to see Harry so happy but for me it's also hopefully you know about the institution that is the royal family time to change that and you know it's okay to ask why and how and what and not be knocked back for asking those simple questions and wanting change um so they're just on the william and harry bit just before we go you were asking jennifer how he comes out about it there was one moment serena isn't there where a press release is put out without harry's um knowledge yeah. which is basically saying there's no truth in the rumor that william was bullying megan Basically, they put out a a statement saying William and Harry have come together with this statement saying, no, William is not bullying Meghan and this is outrageous and false. But that was put out um, shortly after that Sandringham meeting with no knowledge by Harry. He just got it on his phone and he didn't know anything about it. So that's very interesting, too. And, And that is the problem, because that's where the real I think that's where the real split started to happen. But you know what they say? You should never go into business with your family. They are forced to. And the other thing about this as well is that by us talking about this, there's so many things that are happening in the royal family that nobody well, else Well, I didn't like about. to mention exactly. it. I was wondering if you were going to, but there are. I think we all know that there was another <laughs> story running through that, that Megan very usefully covered up a lot of things, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, without a doubt. Absolutely. It distracted completely um, from from the, the unending... Utterly despicable, vile uh, story of of what Prince Andrew has been up to. Nobody's talking about that, and I, and that you know here again is where we see I think the tabloid media colluding with the institution, and they're 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 working together. They really are the firm because it suits the agenda of the institution and it suits the tabloid media, and it's this kind of constant trade off which Meghan and Harry are now being sacrificed to. But Meghan and Harry are playing part of this as well, and it's like you know I I said in my column. The one thing that this documentary series has has shown me is that the toxic menage a trois between Meghan and Harry the, and the royal family and the media is alive and well. It'll be interesting to see what it, they do next. Well, it will, and we'll be watching, it sounds like, for better or worse. <laughs> I don't think they're going anywhere, thank God. No, and actually, I have to say, we did worry that um, the Oprah interview had it all in it. Actually, I think this these six episodes do... Add. And I think for a lot of people, the historical context, uh, uh, when, the, when the snippets of looking back at the royal family from history, I think it's very useful to put it all in context as well. Mm-hmm. So I think well done on the brilliant documentary maker, Liz Garbus, who is an Emmy Award winning director who, who made the uh, documentary. It must have been a fascinating project to work on. So I wonder, will she be doing any interviews about the making of it? I'd love to chat Yeah, I can't wait for the six-part documentary series in which she reveals what it was really like working with (laughs) Harry and Meghan on Harry and Meghan. Thank you very much, my royal correspondents here, your highnesses, and uh, the best of luck, and we'll we'll (laughs) see what happens next. I'm sure we can reconvene to talk about the next steps in Harry and Meghan's illustrious career. Thanks, both of you. Thanks, Rachel. That was Serena Bellissimo and Jennifer O'Connell. Thanks very much to them. And that's all we have time for. If you have any thoughts on Haz and Meg, as they like to call themselves, you can get in touch on the women's podcast at irishtimes.com 
or by social media at IT Women's Podcast. The Women's Podcast is produced by Suzanne Brennan, Adrian Finnegan and me, Roisin Ingle, with JJ Vernon on sound. Mind yourselves and I will talk to you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.